Konnichiwa. Welcome to the Jandals in Japan podcast. Hey, Catherine. How are you doing? Hi, Jane. Konnichiwa. I'm cool. Yeah, yeah. Doing very fine. Yeah. Very good. Beautiful weather here today in Fukushima. What nice. have we got for this episode? Wow, it's just so exciting now. I think, you know, you were seeing all the borders open on in both of our countries, right? New Zealand and Japan. And it's just been very exciting with New Zealand opening up beginning of May, which was mm-hmm. cool, you know, letting people in from Japan. Obviously, they have to be fully vaccinated and they have to take the tests when they arrive every two to five days and report them to the Ministry of Health. Mm-hmm. But that's really great to see. And we hope that that also allows people to be coming through to Japan, you know, exporters who want to be here and build new relationships and also just meet up with the people who they haven't yeah. met before in person. That's just great news. Really great news. Yeah. It's, I feel like a whole layer of worry has been removed so by this sort of loosening of the borders. Now we can travel more easily if we need to when we need to. So very grateful for that and looking forward to seeing some tourists arriving. Yes, hopefully. it's been so exciting in the last little while. And we have heard that the Japan government is actually opening up a trial basis for tourists to come to Japan. So that's pretty exciting, although it's pretty limited. It is at least a start bringing in group tours uh, mm. with their shared itineraries coming in. So it's only from certain countries, Australia, Singapore being part of those. And if it goes very well. We hope to see a few more of our family and friends here. Yes, yes. We're looking forward to having more people being able to visit us here in Japan. And, you know, summer is just around the corner and I'm sort of looking at the mask wearing situation in Japan. Mm. And I'm pleased to see that they are encouraging people to not necessarily be masked outdoors if you can maintain social distance. Just the danger of heat stroke is incredible in Japan anyway during summer. So, yeah, I'm really hoping that we'll be able to walk around a little bit more freely outdoors, especially in Tokyo, where it's kind of expected that you would wear a mask, even just walking down the street. Oh, very much so. Mm. Yeah. And the humidity is increasing. Getting into the later stages of May, it really does start to get humid and you feel it under your mask. And so Mm. now I've just seen a few people lately walking around with the mask pulled down as they're walking outside, which is interesting. It feels a little weird. Strangely, it feels weird to do it because we've just been so used to it, but it's a good thing. So on that cheerful note. (laughs) Speaking of summer. Barbecues. Barbecues. Things you put on the barbecue. Things you put on the barbecue, such as New Zealand meat. Yes, yes, yes. And we can't wait to bring this episode of Makoto Kenjo, who we think is the guru of New Zealand lamb and beef meat in Japan. Yeah, He's really helping consumers here understand how to cook beef, how to cook lamb at home. He's introduced so many ways to do that. I just don't want to give away all of it right now because we're just about to get into the episode. We hope you enjoy this chat with Kenjo-san. Let's get into it. Welcome to Channels in Japan, Kinjo-san. Kinjo-san, hi. hi. How are you? <laughs> Good welcome, to have you welcome. on the show. Someone dialing in from Auckland today, but before we get started, we have a special question for you. A or B, which do you prefer? So if you're going to have yakitori, are you shio or tare? Definitely shio. 
Oh, why? So that I can enjoy the, the real flavor of the chicken. I love that answer. I'm a Shio girl as well. I love mm-hmm. the Shio. I love the taste of the tingle on my tongue with the mm-hmm. salt. Yeah, I'm Shio too. Yeah, I love a bit of salt and, yeah, like you say, enjoying the actual flavor of the whatever it is you happen to be eating. So, yeah, meat is kind of a great topic for us today, isn't it, Catherine? It is because Kinjo-san is the the man of meat, shall we say. Makoto Meat Kinjo could almost be your name. Um, and we're going to get right into that because we wanted to have you on the show as one of our star guests because you've been in this New Zealand food and beverage industry, mostly food industry, right, for 37 years. You've worked mainly in the field of sales and marketing for New Zealand uh, meat products from New Zealand into Japan, shall we say. You've been really deeply engaged in uh, getting especially New Zealand beef and lamb into Japan for 20 years as the president of Ansco Foods. And you launched Wakanui uh, Grill Dining as well in Tokyo in 2011. And that was a really great way of promoting Ansco Foods beef and lamb products into Japan, especially into Tokyo. So we thought it was really important to have you come on and be a guest uh, and tell us some of your insights so that listeners can learn from you to be a successful jandal in Japan. So welcome, Kinjo-san. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Jane. So tell us about your inspiration for you mm. know setting up New Zealand business in Japan. You could have chosen other countries. Tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got New Zealand into Japan. There's a two parts to it. And the first part is about how I got involved with New Zealand. I was born in Tokyo, I was raised in Japan. I was given an opportunity to study as an exchange student uh, when I was 16. So that was my first encounter with New Zealand. It wasn't by my choice, it was my father's choice because mm. back then I didn't know anything about New Zealand. Mm. All I knew about um, uh, New Zealand uh, was all blacks um, right. and a sheep. But um, <laughs> my father told me that if I'm going to go on the exchange program, mm. it should be New Zealand. I was there for a year. I was very fortunate to be assigned to a host family uh, in Christchurch. As a result of that, I had a fantastic time. I guess that that experience made me want to come back to New Zealand and to be involved in New Zealand uh, in my career. The second part is all about food business. For a long time, even I was a teenager, I was determined that I'll be involved in uh, the trading business around food. And because of my background, it happened to be in New Zealand and Japan. And um, my host family in Christchurch, they were gourmet. I even mm. buy, you know, today's standards, they were extreme gourmet. They exposed me to all the fine cuisines of New Zealand. So mm. I was enjoying the bluff oysters when I was 16 as an exchange student. Lucky um, you. <laughs> so, in um, 1980, that's they, they quite they amazing. Kaikura, they said, this is the best greyfish. Oh, mm. this is the best of power. Uh, all the shellfish she made, all the, the seafood dish and the, all the uh, meat dish and all the vegetables and the fruits from New Zealand she exposed me to. So that really got me going to believe that uh, this country has got a huge potential. Serendipity mm. to land in a host family that was endowed yeah. with all of that for you. It's almost right. like it was, it's destiny. It was, it was a destiny. Wow. Are you still in touch with mm. them? Yes, they're, they're part of my family. Mm. Wow. And you've got a good connection, though, too, to Okinawa as well, right? Well, yes. Well, 
my parents are from Okinawa, my father in particular. So I have very Okinawan blood in me. Although I have only lived there for five years, I got more involved in uh, Okinawan side in more recent times. That led to me becoming the, the president of Japan New Zealand Society. And uh, we hosted uh, ambassadors, New Zealand ambassador visits to Okinawa a few times. It's lovely, right? There was, I think you had a little bit of a push there from Ian Kennedy. Okinawa right. president of New Zealand Japan Society <laughs> became you. That's really fabulous That's story. Right. And it's lovely how the your roots come back to you. Right, yes. we think we move away, but it, it stays within our DNA. That's I think right. that's really amazing. And uh, it's so happened that the New Zealand and Okinawa had a very strong relationship way back. It was of the time uh, when I was living in Okinawa as a seven, eight years old. Back then, Okinawa was able to import beef into the country because it was outside the Japanese regime. And so it happened that the beef that we were exposed to um, when we were young was a New Zealand beef. So for, for decades, that the New Zealand uh, beef trade with Okinawa continued and flourished. Mm. So when I came back to the mid-business, mid I was reintroduced to that uh, the fact. And then the leverage that to uh, build stronger uh, business relationship with the Ansco Foods as a meat company and with um, Okinawa market. Wow. Well, you are a Japan meat import specialist. What does that entail? Well, I, I don't consider myself um, as a meat expert. If anything, I probably know about meat, um, the lesson of Japan, most of the people. But I approach this business from a more marketing perspective. But New Zealand has a range of uh, products that have a huge potential, but underrated for one reason or another. When I saw the product, like, New Zealand lamb, or New Zealand grass or beef, or the, the, like silver so on ocean beef. There were a lot more we could do and expand the market had we approached uh, the marketing properly. Unfortunately, meat industry tends to be very conservative. They're very commodity oriented and they're very inward looking. Even today, there's little understanding of branding and marketing. So even before I joined Ansco, I had always thought this product can has a huge potential but has not been marketed properly. One of the things that got me excited about joining an Ansco was then I would be in a position to make it to a, a, a big business in Japan. And that's what happened. I guess the the lamb is one thing, beef is another thing, but there are a number of products, you know, even beyond that, had the potential but has not been properly marketed. The potential has not been properly assessed and uncovered. And with the right uh, marketing approach, right branding, um, right promotion, and the putting together the pieces so that products can be well distributed within the country, then there's been an opportunity for any Canadian companies. Not all products are like that, not all businesses are like that, but there are ones that uh, I think that potential has not been properly recognised. A lot of products that come through are put into retail, mm -hmm. but you went to the extent of setting up a restaurant. Was that right. really critical and important to do for showcasing, mm -hmm. to actually market properly? Yeah. You know, go back 20 years ago when I first joined Antico, 
the New Zealand lamb was visible in retail scene. So the first job is to make sure the products are on the shelf, products are promoted properly, and entice customers, uh, consumers to to come and, and try it. So we conducted the consumer consumer research. This is probably for the for this company uh, for the first time. What we wanted to find out was product with this potential. Why hadn't Japanese consumer used it? Or why do people say it's a um, the smelly meat? The, the research um, gave us an answer that general consumer think the the lamb that has a very a strong smell. Two, they didn't know how to cook it. Three, they said they don't see it on the uh, retail shelves. So in order to draw the market, we had to address those three points. We run a PR campaign to properly communicate to consumers what New Zealand Lamb is about. Environment was raised, how it's raised, how it's recognized in Europe, America, and other markets that it is actually a premium meat and not a cheap alternative, as was the case in Hokkaido. Sheep meat was a cheaper alternative to pork and beef. So we had to change that, uh, the mindset. So we went through the exercise and uh, we were very successful in, in the changing uh, consumer perception towards land. At the same time, we, we made sure we have a, a sales team together to push the land on the retail shelves. And we also made sure that these were all branded as ANSCO product. So behind all of that is a promotional um, activity that's showing how to cook. We wanted to make sure that we run a promotion of the meat without us spending money like we do at the, uh, the retail premises. So the one of the, the idea was to set up restaurants, offer them the best lamb, best beef, let them come and let them assess and then pay for it. And they go out and talk about it and bring it another friends. So that's the start of a Wakani concept. It was a way of promoting a product. It so happened that um, it went uh, ballistic. You know, the, the growth rate was enormous. And as a result, we got more listing with the retailers and more listing with the, um, the restaurants. So that, that's the start of the Wakani um, concept. That's a really long-term vision to have that you would set up a restaurant in order to educate people about your mm. products. And it doesn't, right. yeah. And with the end game being that people will go and find the products on the shelves and try and cook them in their own homes That's and right. become a regular customer in that way as well. So how do people go about finding their first customer or their first distributor, if they were wanting to bring their own product into Japan? Mm. It's case by case. When I first built the ice cream business in Japan, the 19, in 1990, the um, beef market and ice cream market was liberalized in Japan. Um, so Japan, for the first time, was able to import ice cream and I was um, working um, at what is then and what is mm. on tip top ice cream. Oh, so yeah. we, I mean, New Zealand, of course, being the, the most competitive country to produce their dairy products even back then. So 
I saw the opportunity to take a tip to ask you to this market. Firstly, hardcore, whether it's a dairy company, confectionery company, or work company, or retailers, I, I made a hard call and say, this is SAS, this is a product that and we come and talk to you and present you uh, what we can offer. Mm. So when I was working, what is time? What is for making tomato paste in Hastings? What is wanted to introduce that to the Japanese market? I pick up the phone, like called Kagome. Really? Kagome purchase, purchase in person, say, hey, we have a new <laughs> tomato paste for New Zealand. Can I come and talk to you? So it's a cold call. You didn't know them. Very, oh, it's a cold call. Yeah. Oh, my um, goodness. Early day, there were many cold calls. Yeah. Um, when I first introduced the pet food into the country, it was that again. Good on pet you. Pet food. So, You've done it all. Ice cream, pet food. Or retailers, I picked my phone. Hey, this is how we go. Come can I even see you. Mm. Is that just being bold back then? Is cold calling something that a, a New Zealander should oh. do now? I've heard some New Zealanders say they don't have to worry about any of that. And I think maybe uh, Jason was one of our earlier uh, guests who said that you mm. don't have to really worry about that as a New Zealander. You can be a bit more bold. What, what do you think mm. about the well, cold calling in these days? It's a, a hard game back then. And they would not come to you. We had to go on and find and, and, and users or uh, distributors for it. So things may have changed. Um, but again, it's, it's a case by case. There are products probably you take different approach hmm. these days. Wow. I mean, you could give it a try. What's the harm, <laughs> I guess? Exactly. But, you know, there might exactly. be a better way. So if you were mm. writing that chapter in a book about market mm -hmm. entry into Japan, what would you say would be your do's and don'ts there? I guess don't assume that what works in New Zealand works in Japan because you have completely different set of competitors, challenges, and uh, consumers with the totally different understanding of values of many things. What worked in New Zealand as a result of clever marketing may not necessarily work in Japan because branding in a story alone is not going to convince consumer that your product is better than others or you should pay this price of um, other products. You have to have unique brand proposition but solid product advantage. This market does not tolerate anything that is substandard. So what may have worked in New Zealand may not necessarily be recognized as a high-quality product in Japan. So unless you are absolutely confident about your product and then the, the value that this is offering, just spending money on marketing or just running a unique campaign, it's not going to work. At the same time, the market is so vast compared to New Zealand. So thinking that they can do a little bit of marketing and activities and then reach the consumer, well, it's not going to happen because the market is so vast that the, whatever the money you have to, uh, to spend on the promotion or even creating a website or YouTube, it's not going to reach the target audience that you want to reach. So you have to think very hard about how are we going to put together your communication and uh, the program so that you reach the right person and then build the audience 
that will follow your brand and the product. It's hard to, hard to imagine for some, some New Zealand companies. So that was your don'ts. Any do's? Do be confident to the point that you would change the status quo over a market or industry. And of course, that, that's what I did with the uh, meat business. People talk about unique Japanese culture. It's not unique Japanese culture. It's conservatism of a certain industry that you are come against and you need to break that to make a breakthrough. And I always believe in the Kiwi ingenuity. And so mm. you come up with a great idea and do things differently from the conventional players. Love it. Is there anything that you're seeing coming up in the future? Any trends that you've spotted? I've been in New Zealand for a month and in everyday life, the e-commerce in Japan is, is all around you. They can do anything, whether it's a frozen product, it's a chewed product or whatever, or if you place an order, things will be uh, on your door half an hour later. And all sorts yeah. of things are happening in Japan. It's very hard to imagine back in New Zealand because physical distribution service is not there. Whereas uh, the Yamato will bring a, a frozen product to Hokkaido and then ring the is not there. They, they leave a node, come back next day, they come back the following day until you pick it up. The, the retail business in Japan and New Zealand have gone different way. Everything can be purchased and delivered online. And that part is going much faster. Whereas uh, in New Zealand, I think real shops still there and people go out and purchase. So there may be some opportunities that the Kiwi companies are missing in leveraging the advancement of e-commerce and um, online business. Mm, interesting. E-commerce, I think that's coming through as a trend um, that we're hearing from other people who have, we've talked to on the podcast. So I think you call mm -hmm. out a really distinct point there with yeah, bricks and mortar right. versus e-commerce. And exactly, so I know yeah. you've also got some exciting news on your end with another business that you're involved <laughs> in in Japan, another restaurant business. And also tell us about this other import, direct import that you're doing. We'd love to hear okay. about that. I stepped down as a, a president of Ansco uh, two years ago. Uh, I set up a, a new company, Ambrosia. And uh, its mission is to discover products that are not known, unrecognized, and dig deeper into the, the real value of the product and in, introduce to the Japanese consumers. Currently, I've been working on three products. One is vintage beef. By definition, is uh, the cows more older than five years old and then uh, refed and finished, which has a, a flavor profile of something totally different from the conventional the beef that's available now. It's a style of beef that was developed in Europe. It is a very specialized type of beef. So uh, trialing that um, in New Zealand for, for the last two years, and that's going to go on sales online. And also this will be uh, listed um, at um, the national supermarket and uh, Nishin uh, shortly. I also developed uh, a type of sheep meat that is um, quite unique to what it's everybody's used to. That is a pure Suffolk Hoggett. And again, the type of sheep meat that has deeper meat flavor, but tender, and it's now been well recognized even in the UK and in Europe as the sheep meat that, that goes above land. 
So, and again, that's going on on the retail shelves um, shortly. And third thing I'm working on is completely opposite. That is a, a milk-fed lamb. I've been working with uh, uh, Spring Sheep, which was founded by Scotty Chapman. And I, last year when I saw him, I discovered that, that he has this milk-fed lamb. And again, that's going to be uh, going on the shelves uh, shortly. So That's super that's exciting. Small progress. Yeah. yeah, super. I think I was at Matakana mm-hmm. Restaurant, where I think mm-hmm. you were profiling the hoggett. Yes. Right. Uh, last yes. week with a group of New Zealanders and we all went for the hoggett and it was okay. super delicious. So yes, tender. Yeah. I don't think we had that image of it either mm. because there was either lamb or mutton, but the hoggett is something mm-hmm. quite unique and it was mm. absolutely wonderful. So oh, I'm looking forward to seeing that on the shelves. And so I guess in the same way, Matakana is going to be the kind of place where you market those that's that right. product and um, perhaps yes. the other, the milk-fed lamb as well. That's, certainly that's the idea. Um, mm. But I want to broaden the user base of these products. So it won't, won't be uh, confined to Matakana. Matakana will be the, yes. uh, the flagship, but flagship. I shall look after um, the Wakanui, so I have to take care of those. But <laughs> really, potentially they're out there in a much wider base. So if anyone is sort of thinking, oh, well, my product might be a great fit with you, can they get in touch with you? Yeah, sure, sure. Someone yeah. maybe in the farming industry in New Zealand or wherever. Yes. Yeah, it could be a Certainly. great partnership. No, no, I'm, I'm still keen to find what's new out there, what's unique. I'm sure I only knew the scratch of the surface where the, but the farmers out there doing some great things and, you know, believing in and valuing the certain things and then doing diligently and these are sort of things I want to uncover and introduce to the market. Mm, are there any other sort of gold mines or opportunities for Kiwi businesses, perhaps in the way that Kiwis do business? Is there ways to collaborate across Kiwi businesses, for example, yes. well, two products working together? Yeah, certainly there is an opportunity for that. Mm. Um, although different products, different market, distribution network, different buyers to deal with. But if there are, say, the range of food products that has got similar sort of philosophy in terms of mm. the, the value proposition, and then you can cluster them together and promote it in a way um, that is be beneficial to all of us in an efficient way. Fabulous, fabulous. Mm. Well, are there any other activities or promotions that you would like to share with us, personal or professional? We talked about um, vintage beef and um, the hogget, but these products will be uh, branded under McKinsey. Uh, McKinsey? McKinsey, What's that? yeah. Uh, and it's spelled M-A-K-I-N-K-I-N-Z-I-E. Um, M-A-K-I-N-Z-I-E. Yeah, from New Zealand. Okay, that's Beautiful. what we're bringing. That's it's a play upon brand. words on your name. Mm. <laughs> that's right. And so and, should uh, we see those sometime in May, perhaps? Yes. Great. And we're working on, we're putting together um, point of sales materials and that. Ooh, looking forward to it. Gosh, that sounds really exciting. Anything else? There is uh, another restaurant after opening Matakana, as of you, you being E-W-E. E-W-E. And it's a Genghis Khan and a barbecue restaurant. And the theme of that is we only serve you there. You lamb, you hogget, mm-hmm. you uh, mutton. You customers, women customers only? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Oh, yeah. so only, hang on. So what is a you for all of us again? It's a female Even sheep. Female sheep. Female yeah. sheep, that's right. Of any age. Well, female sheep will have the hogget, the um, Suffolk hogget is, uh, is a you. It's a you hogget. And the mutton uh, that I brought in, again, it's, it's a you mutton. And uh, the bit around the concept of eating quality of female sheep is far superior to mm. male sheep. Well, and male mm. sheep only you you uh, consume as a lamb because anything older than six or eight months, the ram lamb will start to produce very distinct flavor mm-hmm. that people find us offensive. Mm. So I'm developing this the meat product around female sheep and the female cow. Interesting. That's so exciting. Is that shop location determined yet somewhere in Azabu? It's, it's already there. It's been opened in oh. March. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jane, next time you're in Tokyo, we'll have to go mm. and have a little look and yes. see. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Kinjo-san, this has been so exciting talking with you. Um, we've really enjoyed showcasing you as what we would call a jandal in Japan. You are a New Zealand <laughs> lover Japanese person who has just got such a depth of history with New Zealand and you're obviously very, very much trying to bring the countries closer and closer together and do more and more. We're really thankful to you for giving us your tips and stories and showing us how a Kiwi and how a Japanese person who loves everything Kiwi can bring a really great Mm -hmm. business to Japan. My pleasure and thank you for the invitation. I hope that we of some use to some people. And um, if anybody wants to have a further discussion about the, the business potentials and marketing, I'm always available. That's very generous. Thank you so much. Bye. Okay. Bye. Yeah, <laughs> bye. Wow, that was such a fun episode with Kinjo-san. What a lovely chap he is. It sounds like he's really making the most of his connections between Japan and New Zealand and leveraging all of that knowledge. What was some of your takeaways from our discussion with him today? Yeah, so much delight in there. I, you know, there were so many things to pull out, but I really liked him talking about his do's and don'ts first up, mm-hmm. you know, not assuming that New Zealand and Japan are going to be the same and this product's going to do the same. I think a lot of people move beyond that these days to know that it's going to be kind of different. But if it's still coming up for Kinjo-san as a don't, I think it might still be a barrier to people, uh, New Zealanders coming in, to think it's going to be the same. And then he talked about not standing for substandard. Yeah, he's really hot on the quality, right? Oh, true. Quality Mm -hmm. is tops. And we've heard lots of stories about damaged boxes, you know, a little bit, Uh, ripped here and there or bent or uh, mangled in some way that they will just not sell in Japan. So, Mm. you know, having that right standard of quality is important. And then, you know, it's a vast market here. Uh, So being really, really Mm. aware of that, that it's not just small New Zealand. uh, It's three supermarket chains. There's (laughs) so many things here, right? I mean, that's what he talked about too with his new products you know, we've got lamb, everyone knows lamb now. He flipped the whole thinking about lamb not being smelly, etc. But he's not even stopping at that. There's these new products that he's doing. Mm. So innovating, continue to innovate and disrupt again. Yeah. Vintage beef, you know, milk-fed lamb. Wow. Those are going to be really amazing things that are going to hit the market here too. So he's constantly innovating. Yes, yes. And Japanese people love something new. They're always out for the new thing, what's the new thing. 
learning about new products. So that's really so great much. that he's finding those products within New Zealand and, and helping other, it sounds like helping producers who he thinks have the great quality product to bring their stuff to the market. So I was really happy to hear that he mentioned the thing about the frozen food delivery that mm. is so huge in Japan that you can send totally. frozen anything all over Japan and it will arrive frozen in perfect condition. And due to COVID, this is becoming something that people are actually ordering more frozen foods online because you can enjoy restaurant quality, whatever, in your yes. own home. Yes. So we did that during COVID. We ordered beautiful scallops and um, yakiniku, like barbecued meat and also sashimi, things that we would defrost mm. ourselves, cut up, eat. So delicious. And at a fraction of the cost of having it in a restaurant, right. it's a real trend here in Japan. Sure to is. Order online from frozen frozen food. So yeah, it's it doesn't mean that your fresh produce won't be saleable in Japan. If you can freeze it, you can sell it. <laughs> exactly. I think that's yeah. probably a difference of the thinking as well. You might think, oh, how can we deliver this product in New Zealand? There's not a great network for delivery, but it's flip it on that, right? Because in Japan, the, the delivery service, Yamato, yeah. Sagawa, all of those are super amazing. And when you yeah. read, they re-deliver, they re-deliver on time. And so I think that's probably a different thing for New Zealanders to think about is that the delivery service here is perfect. How can you use that mm. with your product? Yeah. Well, Kinjo-san, amazing, amazing things there, right? Be visible, be confident, market yourself properly. There was just so many things to pull out of there. What an enjoyable episode that was. That was great. Can't wait to go to Matakana again. Last time I was there, it was amazing. And I remember they bought out this lamb chop, just oh. the one lamb chop. Oh. And I was like, where's the rest of it? But it was just, <laughs> it, it was, was a teaser. The, it was a teaser, right? And it was the yeah. perfect lamb chop. It was so amazing. So if you're in around Tokyo, definitely jump jump into Matakana or Wakanui or the new one he mentioned as well. You is it? As a you, A Z A B E W E. As a you, you check out those restaurants. They uh, the food is amazing at all of them. Yeah. Mm. Well, we will be back again with another wonderful episode for you all again soon. Keep listening. Thank you so much. We'd love to hear from you. Give us your reviews and find us on Instagram and LinkedIn. Yeah, and uh, share this episode with somebody who is a potential channel in Japan or is already here and might like to hear the tips that were given away today. Thanks, everyone. See you. See you. Bye. Bye. listening make sure you check out our guests links in the show notes this podcast is brought to you today by Catherine o'connell law and pod launch with jane if you have a great story you think should be on the show come and find us on linkedin or instagram we'd love to hear from you see you next time matane